0: Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast, Talking Your Way to Change. My name is Zan Banker and I am the host of this show. I'm a licensed psychologist with 23 years of experience and I'm excited to have this platform to educate others about mental health and psychotherapy. Show Talking Your Way to Change. This is Dr. Banker. This is part two of a three-part series on depression. In this episode, I will be interviewed about why people become depressed.
1: Do you think it's important for therapists or clients to spend time figuring out why a person became depressed?
0: Yes, I think that's a great question and one that I would always encourage people or anyone who is depressed to consider. As a clinician, you know, I want to have a working hypothesis that guides my treatment Um, It's called a case formulation Um, and the whole process of exploring the different factors in collaboration with your client, I feel also helps the client create a narrative or a story about their lives that allows them to preserve their sense of self, maybe their dignity and confidence. It reassures them that you know they're not losing control of their minds, and it can sort of clear up confusion.
1: So is that something you try to do in every case?
0: I do. Um, in my training, in, cl- in academic training and clinical training, I feel like I was always given the idea that our minds are meaning-making machines, and that there's a reason they're doing what they're doing. And our symptoms are showing us the fragility of our mental health if we neglect it.
1: So, in trying to figure out why people become depressed, have you found what has been your experience about whether there's usually one reason or more than one reason?
0: In my experience that there's usually often accumulation of risk factors. However, you know, at times there can be no apparent reason or there might not be an apparent reason early in the treatment. And then, you know, maybe three, six months later, you and the client are sort of piecing it together and understanding more about how um, there actually were other factors there. Um, And I always want to ask my clients, too, why do they think they're depressed?
1: Is there any, has the research shown any factors that stand out as leading to depression?
0: Yes. I think it's widely accepted in the mental health field that um, we need a biopsychosocial model for understanding conditions such as depression so that it's people's biology, it's so so social factors, it's relationship factors. Um, like for example, biological factors would be, do you have a medical condition, um, such like a thyroid disorder or cancer or chronic pain? Um, we know that neurotransmitters are at play. We know there's genetics at play, hormones at play. Social factors could be those situational factors, events such as divorce, death, financial stress, um, living in poverty, trauma, even now with COVID is a social factor influencing, um, depression relationships can act either as a protective factor or a risk factor. I always like to consider our moods, um, and try to understand them against the backdrop of our current relationships that we have today and in the past. Researchers call our social supports, these relationships, social capital, and that just kind of refers to what is a person's ability to develop and maintain relationships and form social networks that are willing to help each other out. Um, Other factors, research has identified risk factors that occur in childhood that are associated with depression in adults. I'm not sure Are you aware of the ACEs research done by the CDC, the Kaiser Project, where they looked at adverse childhood experiences?
1: Yes. Tell me more about what conclusions they reached.
0: It was pretty fascinating. They had 17,000 subjects. They they looked at childhood abuse and household dysfunction between the ages of 0 and 17, and they wanted to see what events that happened during those years, if they could have any sort of a high enough correlation or connection between um, negative events in adulthood. So they evaluated, did this person, uh, what were they exposed to, abuse, neglect? Um, I think one of them was having a family member commit suicide, having an environment that undermined their sense of safety or stability growing up? Was there substance abuse in the family, mental health problems? Um, Were there anyone in the family system who was incarcerated? And what they found is that the more of those events that happened that you were exposed to early on, that in adulthood, the adults had higher levels of obesity, depression, suicide, cancer, smoking, alcoholism, and lack of academic achievement. I think this study was really important in that it really sort of really sends home the message that the social events that happen in our life early on in development impact our brain functioning. And you may have heard of epigenetics, but that is where nature and nurture collide, that the stressful social events that we have can lead our genes to either being turned on or off um, and develop brain functioning either to our advantage or disadvantage.
1: So it sounds like it's a little bit of a combination of both the nature and nurture theory.
0: Yes, yes. I think we're learning that it's both, and it's not just both added, it's sort of Mm -hmm. multiplied or intermeshed with each other.
1: Are there any personality traits that have been identified or correlated with depression?
0: Yeah, I think you cut out a little bit there. Um, Personality traits, yes. In terms of psychology factors, we can look at personality, um, such as perfectionism or um, pessimism or maybe lack of coping skills. My psychoanalytic theory training um, described two distinct personality dimensions that can leave people vulnerable to depression, Had fancy names for them, but essentially one has to do with an over-reliance on relationships, and the other, self-criticism. So for example, some people who present with an anaclytic depression are characterized by intense fears of abandonment, feelings of hopelessness, weakness that kind of drives the client to place an inordinate amount of value on relationships over themselves, over their personal autonomy. And then this, you can kind of see it, this is going to leave a person vulnerable to depression in response to the loss of a relationship, a breakup, interpersonal conflict, I think it also leads people to be vulnerable to being in an abusive relationship. This person is looking outwardly. It's a very sort of needy stance. The other stance, the other major category is called introjective depression. And that's when an individual has a really harsh sort of unrelenting inner critic and sort of believes that they're always failing or coming up short. They're not living up to other people's standards And this is sort of an over-reliance on the self. It's sort of that, it's like a polarity, these two. And this is a more self-punishing stance.
1: So it sounds like there's a wide variety of how depression presents itself or how it would appear outwardly.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, uh, One last area that I really want to mention is that also in my academic and clinical training, because I am a counseling psychologists that we really, um, emphasize development and human development. And so when we look at a person with depression, that depression is in, is occurring in a developmental context. So a depressed person, just like a person who's not depressed is on a developmental path facing developmental challenges, right? That evolve over a person's lifespan. So an adolescent struggling with depression is going to look really different than a 70-year-old who has just retired and having depression. The adolescent is struggling with physical transformations, maybe the emergence of their sexuality, their identity. They are separating from their parents. They're increasing their independence. They're maybe deciding whether or not they want to take – um, Alcohol and drugs and alter their consciousness, or do they want to stay sober? And versus like a seven year old man who is sort of reviewing the events of his life, whether or not he made a mark in the world, um, finding a sense of purpose, um, confronting death. We know that it's not uncommon for people to have mental health struggles when they're embarking on new stages of development. So, for example, going off to college or establishing a career. Getting married, becoming a parent, um, even in the absence of a major life event can be a source of depression. Maybe someone who wishes they were married or wanting to have children and they're not able to do that. Um, this could be a factor in their depression. And if we think about it, you know, in order for us to continue to achieve developmental stages and milestones, We need the psychological building blocks that may or may not exist in the person. So you might say, oh, what are psychological building blocks? Well, take, for example, does the person have a capacity to trust others? Can they delay their gratification? Can they regulate their self-esteem? Do they have success in their interpersonal relationships? Uh, Do they have self-agency? Can they take pride in their accomplishments? So you can look at typical developmental stages and ask yourself, you know, where am I falling in terms of development? Uh, Am I kind of regressed or I'm having difficulty just transitioning into this next uh, developmental stage? Um, Am I having a little bit of difficulty securing a career, financial independence? Am I having difficulty sustaining an intimate relationship? Um, those are, I, I think that's sort of probably exhaustive enough of factors that could lead to depression, but you're kind of getting a picture that it's pretty complex. we're pretty complex, um, individuals and that's how I like to sort of conceptualize, um, people when I work with them.
1: Could you maybe give some examples of, you know, how you're seeing depression present itself to give us a sense of that scope?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. I kind of was thinking about this before we talked. So let's say we have a 35-year-old married female, symptoms of depression, uh, maybe some parenting struggles, maybe balancing that work and home, uh, maybe some marital conflict. Uh, maybe she grew up in a family with an alcoholic father or there was a divorce, Um and maybe she was referred by her EAP, which is like an employee assistance program. Uh, say another client, like 75-year-old widowed retired man who has little social support outside maybe his church. Um, and his wife has died and he's trying to manage social relationships and doesn't have a lot of skills. Um, he's still maybe grieving the loss of his wa- wife. And he had recently been at the doctor, has high blood pressure, maybe even needs a knee replacement. And the doctor referred him for therapy for depression or for an assessment to determine if he has depression. Um, 65 year old married man who's struggling um, or, or yeah, married man or woman struggling with an adult daughter. And their children, so the, it's sort of like three generations, grandparent, adult, and grandchildren. Um, maybe he's at home, he's retired. Um, the couple is trying to adjust to this retirement. Um, now we have Covid. You know, maybe this man had a history of growing up in poverty and had a mother who had depression. And maybe a friend recommended he consider counseling. Um, maybe a 35-year-old male who has difficulty at work, conflict with a fiancé, is drinking too much, is having trouble sleeping, he goes to his doctor, he's thinking, oh, the answer is sleep medication, and the doctor recommends an uh, evaluation for depression.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for those examples.
0: Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to say for anybody who is listening to this and thinking that they wanted to get an evaluation for depression, I would just really recommend you talking to your medical doctor first. That's a great place to always start. Um, so that they could sort of rule out whether or not there was a medical factor behind the depression. Um, and or you could look at your insurance and look for providers who are in your network there's always psychology today Um, but i would really encourage you to reach out and get help Um, and i'll talk in the third part of this depression series about what treatment can look like until next time this is dr banker everyone thanks so much for listening i need to alert everyone that this podcast is not meant as a substitution for mental health treatment so although the podcast deals with psychotherapy this is not your psychotherapy okay thanks again